grad school i'm kate and i'm dustin and we're you can grad school that's we are. it yeah that's, that's the podcast goodbye goodbye but hello uh, to, to texas hello to texas and texas only no just kidding um for our final podcast we're going to do a bit of a year in review but first we wanted to start out by thanking our uh highest density listeners is that right um, my brain um so like texas we're not a, a stats podcast so we can just true. be wildly just inaccurate the greatest status of texas is uh we're thrilled thank you for listening to us um next uh season of you can grad school uh next time we start picking up recording and i'll uh be wearing like a texas t-shirt and a cowboy hat um my mom has gotten really I'm from upstate New York and my mom has gotten really into wearing cowboy boots. Really? Yeah. Like low. They're like, uh, they're like booties, like kind of, but like a little taller and they have like the cut of Texas boots and she really loves them and I hate them, but she doesn't listen to this podcast, so she'll never know. But if she does, she'll be pretty mad at me. Um, but also perfect for, for snow. Those like that slick bottom. Is They're just for like style only, and yes. she like she, my mom really loves the state of Texas. Uh, so she's a true northeasterner at heart, but she has a real thing for Texas. Every time, every once in a while, I see her looking at homes down there, um, and they love to vacation there. So um, it's a weird, random love that kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, for our Texas listeners, we support you, and my mom in particular supports you. Shout out to Illinois, which has what's Illinois' thing? What do you mean? What is there? Corn? That thing? Yeah, I guess corn. I lived there for two years, and it's like what? Yeah. What's representative of Illinois? Corn, corn. and um, political crimes. So, mm-hmm. shout out to mm-hmm. Rob Blagojevich. How do you? Is that how you say his name? I don't know. I'm not I his friend. Good. Yeah. But for for listeners not in Illinois or know nothing about Illinois, there is a thing that is corn sweat. Corn fest. Well, there is a corn fest, but corn sweat is a real thing that in central Illinois, there's no large body of water close by. So when the corn in the summer gets hot, it sweats. And that condensation just like hangs around because it can't disperse into a body of water. And that's why it gets so hot and humid in central Illinois. Wait, is that true? Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't be, but well, I didn't know that. I didn't. I just thought it was humid. And wow. Wait, that's no, so It's all the corn. It is fascinating and it sucks <laughs> because yeah, it no, gets it really so sucks. hot and humid there's a there's like a great so shouts to illinois because you have a great like public outdoor pool system um when i moved to illinois i was like there are no lakes here and it's flat as far as the eye can see which is forever i know because i went on a run and i ran 10 miles out that's forever only to discover <laughs> more flat i was like i've got to find something if i run straight for, for forever nope. um real bummer of a run back uh but yeah and then um but the pools are like really nice like they have slides they're like kind of like water parky even though they're just public pools so that was always really impressive to me before I wanted to go to a public pool in Illinois before I moved that was actually on my bucket list did you go Uh, 
No, because coronavirus. Um, oh, yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You you weren't forward thinking enough to plan for a, a global, global pandemic. Yeah. And I was unwilling to pay the guest fee. Um, but I kept saying like before, cause like in Champagne in particular, there's this like extensive, you can also, there's like a movie night they have at the pools and the public pool in Champagne. And I had always wanted to do that. It sounds but, terrifying. Yeah. Like, well, sitting in an inner tube while it is dark. And I yeah. think they usually play like Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. I think they do. I was like, I don't know how I would feel about that, but I, I feel like I'd like two minutes in, I would take my inner tube and sit it on the concrete outside of the pool and be like, yeah. it's safer here. Yeah. Yes. I was, I swam for 10 years and in a lot of the bigger pools, um, indoor pools, uh, cause you know, upstate New York, um, they have like a viewing window so you can record people's form in the bottom. And, um, the thing I always thought, like, I would always have this fear that there was like a shark tank connected to the pool. I, I had a very, elaborate imagination <laughs> that was like I would try and get myself to swim faster uh or like prepare for the race by being like okay in that viewing window it's actually like a portal into a shark tank and they're actually gonna shark. let out the shark if you are out of that water real quick <laughs> it only works for like 50 yard 50 yeah 50 yard races because if you're doing 100 yards and you're doing four lengths of the pool it's a little you know that shark is gonna you know It'll hopefully smart enough to, <laughs> or he'll just bide his time until you flip turn into his mouth uh yeah. so where were we uh austria shouts to you as well and a recent uptick in massachusetts massachusetts listeners my true pals and group of people who i connect with um Love you, Massachusetts. Uh, I miss my time in Boston. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to run the Boston Marathon someday. I like to think that all of the listeners in Massachusetts are just my family members. <laughs> Big not. fans. Big fans, yeah. They know exactly what I'm up to. So I'm During grateful Thanksgiving- for that. During Thanksgiving, I was talking to my parents and I wanted to share a podcast with them, not our podcast. And there I was, I was like, oh, listen hey, to this Hey, mom, podcast. dad, listen yeah. to me talk and more. They thought it, that's what I meant. And they, they were like, did? oh, okay. But like, they, I, I sensed a reluctance and I was like, oh, it's like an interesting podcast. It's about like, it's um, about, uh, what was it about? Something about like a presidential election in like 1940. Oh no, it was about FDR. Oh yeah, so fun. And how there used to be this, such a specific interest. But uh, yeah, actually they didn't find it that interesting. It was just me. Um, but I was like, anyway. And they're like, oh, not like your podcast. And I was like, you thought that I woke up this morning while we were making breakfast. And I was just like, you know what would be nice to listen to? <laughs> me. We all <laughs> while should. You, while you people pipe down. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep turning it up. Yeah. Shh, 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 shh. I say something really cool around 10 minutes in. <laughs> Never true. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, we'll timestamp and see what you say at 10 minutes and see if it's interesting or not. Or I'll it's just hard. drop in like something random from our previous episodes. Something cool. I was delighted to learn when you inserted an audio, a previous audio of me making the... <laughs> The breaking news. Breaking news. 
Mitch actually heard it and was like, why did you do this? It like deeply disturbs him. He hates it. He thinks it sounds so bad. And he was like, no, why? I was like, ah, I see you're finally listening to the pod. That's all it is. Yeah. We do we do checks like last week. We we checked to see if Dr. Max Hawley actually listens. Surprise, he doesn't. He does not. Um, but it remains an excellent gag. And just uh just in some insights, we might post this with the episode, but um a few months ago when I originally posted the We Rate Max tweet about um coffee. Uh, Mitch texted me to let me know that I had taken it too far. He said, this is really showing your ass. If he doesn't know it's you off, off of this, he's a dum-dum. I would never use the word dum-dum. So just to be clear. Um, and clearly Max did not pick up on that, but, uh, I sent that along to him so he can also feel the shame of not, uh, picking it up. Ho, ho, ho. Let's get to the science. I like it. So today... Breaking news, science. Da, 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 little low energy. One of the things, uh, one of the tweets I saw today from Mitch Princeton, and I'd seen a similar one that I think had a slightly lower uh, rate, but was that clinical applications are up 30 to 50% across the nation. Did I get that number right? Um Yes, And he was kind of wondering, like, anyone have any hypotheses as to why that might be? Um, And some people were guessing that it was like, you know, in the pandemic, people are thinking about mental health more often. And um, it's something they're thinking about. I, at first, that was kind of maybe compelling to me. But then I was thinking about it. And I figured the more compelling reason would be the lack of a GRE, the you know, lowered cost of applying this year, uh, maybe not across the board, but in a lot of programs, which I think is great, but it just made it more feasible. It makes it more feasible to apply to more programs, um, like financially speaking. And then like logistically, it's just a nightmare to take the Jerry, send your scores, maybe retake it. Uh, and so that to me was like the obvious answer. I feel like the way you could kind of clear that up as looking at larger application stuff like psych specific, like I feel like psych more generally like do you see this in experimental psychology developmental clinical might activate more people who are like how can I help um but my thinking was that you know I would have applied to more programs just as a safety net when I was applying last year and the year before or two years before and two years before um because why turtles not? all the way down. Turtles all the way down. Applications all the way down. Because um, you want to give yourself the best shot possible. Uh, I also think it might give people the opportunity to apply to more prestigious programs where before they might have felt like their GPA was holding them back uh, or GRE was holding them back. Their GPA might still make them feel like it's holding them back. Um, but if you can afford it, like, why not? Um, that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know what your thoughts were, Dustin. Yeah, I had seen... Uh a post earlier about like reducing the amount or like make it, why do we have to pay for these apps? And with it, just there's so much variation in how much each application is like, it doesn't seem to make sense. There's nothing there that, that correlates directly with it. And like someone was trying to break it down and 
like the people who review the apps are faculty members and it's like part of their they're not getting paid extra those who review these things and like there's nothing extra going into that so not understanding like where that cost is i know that there's also some just like clerical things and needing to make sure that you have the space to house these and some of that can go towards that but maybe having a like some solutions could be just having a uniform application process and like you pay to get in and that's it and it's a low one-time fee um I was just looking through the the tweet because this is hot off the presses uh, from Mitch Princeton. So, <laughs> so I was looking through some of the replies and I see that uh, Lisa Starr from uh, Rochester, their clinical program, who she's an awesome researcher and does some really great stuff. Uh, she was looking at historically their program and I guess a couple years ago, three or four years ago, she's saying that they required the psych GRE. They just like started that. The psych. Yeah, subject I didn't apply to Rochester. Report. Oh, I did apply to. I remember that because I applied to Rochester. Sorry. And you didn't do the psych. Or um, you did because their website was unclear, and so mm. I reached out to them in a extremely I, I don't think I was the nicest and most gracious I was very stressed at the time which isn't an excuse hey, but I was like yeah I was like, so scary. Uh, excuse me I like to use the non-gender term I said right. hey assholes um what is with this and me my friend and I uh Taylor friend of the pod and I both emailed them and we're like hey like this is kind of confusing guidelines like you suddenly changed it but it's not apparent on all of your um web pages and so they waived it the requirement for us um but yeah no for most people who probably weren't also being salty and like i already plan to apply here but sorry they're they like their application number dipped right yeah after after acquiring that and like that's just another barrier financial barrier that is being placed in the way and it's limiting the number of applicants so i agree i think it is this it might be the case that maybe people are thinking more about it, but then I would expect a greater increase in like a few years of the undergrads that being more acclimated and thinking about these things and then wanting to go more clinical. Um, I think it's basically you are removing barriers, financial as one of the biggest, and allowing basically opening the gates and having people apply to where they want to apply or applying, like you said, at, at more schools that they're like, Oh, I don't know if I would want to go here or this is a reach and getting that, that diversity and um, just kind of getting people who might actually deserve to be in those spots rather than having it be reflective of, class exactly uh, i struggle um there was this other piece um page harden had a uh page harden of university of texas at austin had this thread on um so you take away the GRE, like it doesn't mean like it's more equitable necessarily yeah. i know people have differing uh opinions on the GRE um and thoughts and i thought this was a really good read but it also just left me kind of like 
it's just going to take so much to repair and rebuild like the whole system because there is the hidden curriculum that we talk about, of course. And like, it does, it touches every part of the application. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in last podcast or just to you personally. And I have a, a mentee who's great, who's super intelligent and who is probably going to be a great researcher. I was like, Oh, what, uh, can you just tell me like, what's your interest in clinical psych? And he was like, well, like I first became interested because I took an AP psych class and or took AP psych and I was, you know, did really well in it, found it super interesting. I'm also someone my friends feel like they can talk to about problems. And I was yeah. like, I had this line in my head from a piece of advice I got on my personal statement, which is well, a first time in my first personal statement in 2016, which was, I thought I wrote this thing that was like about me personally and a unique thing. And she was like, you and everybody else. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, ah, shoot. Um, but it was true. Like in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, this is true. Like this is like, but I wouldn't have known it because I, you know, I, I don't see applications every year. I don't see all the students coming through. Like I needed to learn that from a mentor. And because I had developed a relationship with that mentor, I got that information of like, and I was like, in my head at the time, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, love your story to the mentee who told me this. And I was like, don't worry, we're going to beat that out of you. <laughs> You're never going to say those words again to anyone in the field of psychology. <laughs> because that's, it. but it's also like, it speaks to this like, kind of wonderful thing, which is like, I, that was my experience. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I did really well in AP Psych and I felt this initial interest in psych because I, there were people around me who needed help who weren't getting it. And I wanted the skill set and the ability to help. Um, for me, it was like girls around me who were struggling, who were struggling with like pretty uh, serious mental health concerns. And I didn't have the skills and tool set. And I realized that, and I wanted to get in that. And that started my academic journey. And that's, like a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with that. That's like really wonderful, but you can't say it. Yeah. (laughs) And so like that, like holds in your personal statement, there's like the GPA, which is obviously like complicated and um, just like everything else. There's your letters of recommendation, knowing that it's better to have it from someone in psych than someone who like I had an English professor write mine and that was the wrong move. Um, fun fun fact on that one in his letter of recommendation he wrote that i have supple prose and <laughs> what he sent me my letter of recommendation and it's like absolutely lovely and like it was yeah. so kind of him and it was really great um his focus and his purview was like in my like higher level english class and modern um in modernism and so he was going off of the essays I wrote and my written responses in class. And he was like, Kathleen has a supple prose. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's not what I was going for. Um, Also just like it in retrospect, it was just so funny to imagine like people who may be colleagues in the future are, having their first impression of me which I'm sure they forgot because they listened to all this be like hmm this student this potential student has supple prose what is she (laughs) writing 
maybe this is an MFA application that just got in here somehow. <laughs> Where, why is this in here? Um, but yeah, like I didn't know that like you, you should have three people from psychology and um, yeah, like these are lessons learned at a financial cost, right? Um, yeah. by, like for some people or uh, their career ending before you've even begun because you say the wrong thing and you don't know. So what are we going to do? Like I, I make it more open source, of course, but that that's hard and it takes a lot of work and it's, it's like it permeates throughout a lot of the things that, that we talk about. I know both on and off the, the podcast, but like with publishing and, and other things, it's, it's a systemic piece that is going to take a really long time and everyone needs to be on board with it. And that's going to be really hard because if you still have some schools like, nah, we're going to do it like this. And then they might get different kinds of students who are seen more favorably in terms of the, like who is the leaders in the field because the system has been this way for so long, then like, what is that going to do? Right. And and that's the thing where I, um, I really struggle with the, the other noise on Twitter that I saw is like this, it's kind of new ish, but I guess it's also, I know it's been around for other things of like rating students as like, is this person in your top 10%? Um, there are some really shitty mental health questions. Like, is this person yeah. stable essentially? Um, which is like, kind of I, I would say is inappropriate um i would agree yes i would imagine if you're at the point where you're applying your work should speak for itself um that's just me um but a lot some people have responded by not um giving ratings at all and then explaining that and like someone was like i hope this isn't a problem or doesn't hurt their application and i'm like uh, like I feel mixed on that because what if it does like I what in the off chance it does it's probably a program you don't want to get into anyway but like also it's taking a risk it's taking a gamble with your student applications which I feel like is a little bit so I would rate everyone as the highest and say hi I have a problem with this rating system um I rated everyone the high like something like that yeah. um where you're not hurting the applicant um but you're making it clear that this isn't an okay rating system and that you're not utilizing it like um, because you have problems with the fact that it's even being asked. Um, I'm hesitant to feel bad for people who are tenured professors or who have tenure track jobs. Um, That is until I am perhaps one of those people, but like just. And then I won't feel sorry for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I like, I do feel bad for like the challenge of sorting through these apps and trying to do it in an equitable way and also writing letters of recommendations for people and having to face that question of, I have a problem with the system. Do I, what do I do about it? Um, because, you know, at some point they are involved in the system and its creation, but there's only so much pro- like progress you can make per year and there's only there's a limited power even to those jobs so yeah and then yeah. it makes you think like where is where does the power lie because the people that that you often think of having the power then will defer to something else or that there's larger pieces at play which may very well be true 
but then who is i think that diffusion is sometimes sometimes works against the progress and if you're just saying that there are other people who are making these decisions and then you go to those other people and they're like no actually it's this and then it's like then so what do you do is it someone one person speaking up that's usually not going to happen um mm-hmm. because i think we've talked about this like professors don't really have a, a check on each other like it's a weird thing <laughs> to call out another professor on something um so it's like what is what is happening <laughs> what is happening from like a more functional perspective too i just um for those who are applying and listening to this uh i would say like there's gonna be some advice i got is or some thoughts that i got that i remember internalizing a lot is that oftentimes it's a very small pool of people who are getting a lot of offers And so one of the things I might advise, especially if applications are up, but it's the same people applying to a bunch of programs, then your timeline might be longer for waiting to hear back from some places because people are either holding offers or they have a lot of offers. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is like kind of further down the line. So Grad Cafe might not be an (laughs) accurate. Newsflash. Uh, Grad Cafe might not be an accurate reflection of what's actually happening right now. I would, I, I tried really hard and I did a good job on it last round. Um, probably had something to do with like having success. I it's like harder when you're searching and you're worried. And so like, I feel bad for that. Um, but not going on grad cafe is also like a, uh, is this, it's an act of self-care as they say. Um, yeah, right now cafe, download a blocker and put it on there just for that site because it is, not going to be helpful. PIs reach out at different times. Yep. Some of the programs are different. Um, some of the PIs, they have their first round of people and then like they might go back to the pond and find new people. It's just, it's not a standardized process. And so Grad Cafe is not going to give you an accurate representation of what this is doing, especially this year. Um, my other like, it's a guess, it might be wrong, but I think it's important to kind of think about uh, if you're applying this year is that like offers are going to probably come around the same time, but there may be more, there might be a lot of, as I kind of mentioned before, there might be a lot of switch arounds as one person accepts or like a first tier of people who are like not human because they're so, so, so good might get like 10 offers and then have to like choose one. So then it might be that you, first of all, are fantastic and great and the system is shitty, but you might not get a first offer, but you'll get someone's off, someone else's offer that they, I mean, it's not their offer, but you might get a second offer. So like, hold on, don't give up hope. Uh, but also this is a very hard year to apply and that sucks to hear, but it's also, it also means like, this isn't a reflection on you. It never was, but it's particularly not this year. Um, it's gonna, if you get in, like, you can be really proud of yourself and that's fantastic. If you don't, I've been on that side too. Um, I remember thinking like, like, what am I going to do? My world's going to come crashing down if I don't get in. And surprisingly, you wake up and you do different things and it makes your research stronger if that's what you end up wanting to do. I know some people who don't get in and they just 
they find a different thing that they're passionate about and they say that not getting in was one of the best things that could have happened. Um, and you can do either of those things. It's, it's not one size fits all. Um, but it's not the end of a road. It's just a new, it's a new direction. Yeah. I think that is exactly right. That congratulations to all who have applied. That is a huge feat in itself. Any sort of application throughout this process, whether it be applying for a graduate school or for grants later on, like these are monumental steps. And it's a reflection of how great you are as a student and as a person. And that doesn't mean like you're still doing those things that you talked about in your personal statements or how the instructors and professors wrote about you in their letters of rec. That is still you and how wonderful you are. And just because the avenue of a either clinical PhD or like whatever it is that you're applying for, just because they said not right now, or they said it wasn't a good fit, that doesn't mean that you still can't do those things. You can go out and take different steps and navigate in a, in a completely different way. And that's okay too. Um, you're still, I think it, this process gives you a chance to reflect on what it is that is important to you and what you want to be doing. And then this is one way to do that. It's not the only way. It's definitely not the only way. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think I mentioned on this, might've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but something that made me think a lot about that was um, I got into a program last year that I had gotten, it's not like technically a wait list, but um, I was kind of on a wait list at a program that, you know, I, I really loved the mentor and she was fantastic and not getting in. Like it really hurt um, when it happened and I was like really upset about it. And I thought, it was just, I was so disappointed. And then I applied this time and I had this, you know, really great interview weekend. Um, the student, I, I was hosted by the student who I had interviewed with previously and she was great. Like, um, I had bought her a drink, uh, four years before. Um, and so she was like, I remember you, like I left my card at like the apartment I was staying at and you bought me my drink. And I just remember it was so nice of you. And, um, I had no memory of that. And the PI said something like lovely to me. She was like, yeah, I've been like, I've been thinking about you like over the last couple of years and like wondering what you had been up to. Um, I thought you were a great student then and um, it you've done great stuff in between. And um, I don't say that to like pat myself on the back. I say it like, these are hard choices that PIs have to make. And um they're not made with like malintent. And I just, I think so highly of this researcher and um, it made me feel a lot better. And it made me recontextualize what I had been thinking back then as what was a real failure was a, Oh, this person has like occasionally like wondered what I've been up to since then. And like thought of me as like qualified and good. And she gave me that feedback at the time and I just didn't internalize it. Um, other than to be like, oh, I should have gotten in, in this like, not great way. Um, you know, I was like disappointed. It turned out not to be the right fit for me. And I had four years to kind of figure out what I was about. And I wouldn't have had that time had I gone straight, had I gotten into that program. And although I was like bummed to like turn the offer down because 
the PI was great and there are a lot of great things about the program. It just wasn't a good fit. It just made me realize that it isn't about, like it is about you for your choices, but it isn't about you for um, how the choices about your application get made. It's, um, it's a process. It's a journey. I'm going to hate that word I know. by the end of today. <laughs> it's a journey. Just like our year in review. Yeah. Burr, burr, burr. Did it do? Yeah, I, I think it's it's just one of these things that nobody is transparent about the process. It's like you submit your application and then you wait when there is so many different things that can happen behind the scenes that play into exactly what you're talking about, where it's like it could be a not a good fit or there might be another instruct like another professor who has priority over picking a student and then that's that one slot which means then the the professor that you were applying for although they said they were taking students they actually don't have a slot anymore like there is just like so many pieces and it's ridiculous so they exactly you're taking a new job i like that happened to me um yeah it's it's hard because when people are involved in their own lives and administrative choices you just you can't predict what it's going to be um i would love to see the stats i wish they gave this to you of people who didn't end up taking an applicant or um where your application wasn't considered not because of the quality like the contents but because of other things It, it would just be good feedback to have you know like Spotify's um, year-end wrap-up where it's just like, here are the, the places you applied to and this is the student that it's where you got accepted and where you got interviews. Yeah, that's I like that. I think that'd I be too. nice. Yeah. Um, I know Spotify and review, I really don't use Spotify that much, but I listened to uh, Taylor Swift's folklore like a million times. So it was like these songs and then some pine grove which is great but all like kind of subdued music so i was like "Hmm." mine was because we only have one account because i'm a poor children's music it actually wasn't i was surprised that no children's music hit our top five um (laughs) it was our top artist was rupaul yes surprising it was it's great uh then my number two artist was run the jewels so that one fit that, that one fits for me. I love I love them. They're great. Ho 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 to the year in review. Dustin, um, let me get your reflections on this year. It's been a pretty big year for you. Um I I actually mean that. It's been a like pretty big like year professionally for you, right? Um I think so. Twenty yeah. Tell me about it. Uh this has been the like I'm at the end of my journey, my PhD journey, where I am applying for clinical uh, internships, which is stressful and overwhelming. And we talked a little bit about this when um, Aaron was on the pod. And it was like, that has been something really, really big and thinking about what next steps there are then for what I want to do. And one of my favorite things from the year has been being able to start this with you, Kate, <laughs> and being able to do the things that we're, we're doing. And I'm so glad this is what I want to do. I think that like these skills and just 
I, a lot of stuff that we talk about, I want others to know about. And I think it can be really helpful in their graduate career, either starting from applying all the way to, to going through to where I am. And like, that's something that's really exciting for me and something I'm really glad to be able to do, especially with someone as cool as Kate. Spread the word. That you're cool or that yeah. I... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> know that I'm cool. Yeah. There you go. Not enough people are aware. Uh, not enough people who know me are aware. Texas um, knows. Tex- that's right. Yep. Everyone's cooler in Texas. Um, except your mom, apparently. Except for my mom. Well, that's because she's not in Texas. I feel like oh. we're too. I'll talk to her. Maybe she'll maybe she'll set up a OBGYN practice in Texas. Um, I'll gauge her interests. I'll report back. Yeah. There's no. I, there's nobody in New Mexico, which I'm frustrated about. That's where I grew up. So yeah. the Southwest is being dominated by Texas. It's not no fair. No hometown love. No, no. Everyone hates me. Do you have a, like a high school reunion coming up? You could, uh, you my like, fa- like if you listen to my podcast, my high school reunion is coming up. Uh, and there's like, I'm not on Facebook, but my sister sent it to me that like, there's a Facebook group for all of my old high school classmates and I should just put the podcast up on there. Uh, Post a link and then don't like create a Facebook account just to do that and then stop. Hey, like, but like as someone who's like, not me, just be like, oh yeah, she's not on Facebook anymore. Too famous. But like, uh, Kate McCormick has a podcast. You should check it out. Yeah, there you go. No, I, I don't know. I think I was, because I was technically the president of my high school. What? Yeah. I, I was president. Were you cool in high, you played hockey and were the president. I can't I tell. hockey how- in New Mexico. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> not really. No, I was a big nerd. Surprise. I was the student representative to the board of education. That was so my was I. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my I God. sat in on meetings. It was, yeah, I did was, too. Yeah. I didn't really have a huge role in doing anything. Um, wow. We're involved with student government. I feel like we're both misanthropic in some ways now. Um, me, definitely less. But like, <laughs> I was also the parliamentarian for a brief time because our parliamentarians stopped attending meetings. And so I was not voted in parliamentarian, but I enthusiastically took it over. Um because we didn't have student government yeah. up until my my senior year, and that's when we were like, "We're going to have student government." Let's were you like George election. Washington, where you were like, "I'll only do one term to set a <laughs> set a healthy precedent"? No, I I was actually vice president, and I my running mate didn't get elected, <laughs> so I was vice president to a different president. Who then got in trouble? Scandal. And then really? I, yeah. And I oh had my just god! Started. This is amazing. Like Nixon trouble or like high school trouble? High school. I think they got suspended, so it was like That's we can't lame. we can't do this. So then I stepped in. Amazing. Got the charge. Oh. So I think the president is supposed to organize the reunion, but I'm not going to organize a blah, blah. high school reunion in New Mexico disappointing uh yeah. <laughs> wow um this is fascinating this is probably why we get along so well um our early political careers 
other reasons too. And yeah, no, I think it's cool. We're oh yeah, oh that as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I like. I feel, I I feel very lucky because although this you know year has been awful globally and like obviously there are ways in which it has been a challenge personally, but on the whole, this has been a very big year for me professionally, and it's. it's been really amazing to like finally be able to do the things that I've been wanting to do for a really long time and to have people, um, you know, I've had people along the way who felt this way, but like to finally have people outside of the people I work with directly be like, Hey, like we think you have great ideas. Like we think you're worth accepting and spending money on in a program. Um, that was a big confidence booster for me. And it, it, it was a hard one. Um, it, it took a lot of work to get there. And so um, I am not going to diminish it. I'm just very proud of it. I feel like a lot of times we're, you know, taught, I think in psych, there's an unhealthy kind of attitude of everything is hard and we're underappreciated and everyone has imposter syndrome. And although I sometimes have imposter syndrome, I think sometimes there's an attitude that you should have it um, because it's so normed. And no, I've like worked really hard. I'm excessively privileged, but I do deserve to be here and I've worked really hard to get here. And so I'm really proud of that. Um, and it's I'm very proud of you too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, you and, like, and it's been like the efforts of a lot of people to help me get there. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I, I, I learned like from college to post collegiate or like post in my post back work is like, you can't do it on your own. And I, like, that's a cliche piece of advice, but it's particularly true in like getting to anywhere in clinical psych and developmental, any psych um, at the higher level, because it takes learning from your peers. It takes people investing in you and that takes you investing in them and the work you're doing. Um, and so, yeah, like this podcast has been so fun. Um, I've been really lucky. Uh, my first semester has not been, as difficult as I like planned it to be. I also like, like I thought it was going to be really, really hard um, because that's kind of the expectation that was set. Um, I think a big part of it is like clinical students have a lot of clinical stuff along with everything else to do. And that's like a huge burden. Um, I also think, you know, going back to where I did my undergrad has been helpful because it's an environment I already know. And so there's a little less um, stress involved in being in a new place and I know how hard that can be moving to a new place because I did that before without the grad school stuff and it was hard enough. Um, and it's been really enjoyable to work on something that's really hard, like in doing my stats homework, I, as I say, it's not been really hard. Every Saturday is really hard and the rest (laughs) of it is like not as bad. I like have selective memory when Fridays and Saturdays suck. Um, but, uh, that's when that's over um it's been like learning how to code in a somewhat stressful environment has pushed me to learn it quickly um which mixed feelings on that but uh (laughs) I've been really lucky and I've had really supportive people around me and um uh it's I I loved my time in Illinois I miss living in the northeast uh I really love summers and falls in the Northeast. And so that's been just like really unexpectedly nice. Um, and it's been a while since I've been to Boston, but I, I miss Boston terribly still. 
but the fact that I'm only uh, five hours away now gives me hope that I can visit there soon. I guess that's my weird review. (laughs) (laughs) A side thing, when we were talking about like postdoc at Cornell and like thinking about, I like was looking at Cornell and like how far away it was from, because my family is just in like 30 minutes north of Boston. So how, how far away that was. I was like, oh, yeah, it's really close. It's really close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's my goal is to bring all of my friends to the East Coast with me. <laughs> all the people well, I love in the Midwest, dragging them across the what the lake, Mississippi, Great Lakes. Mississippi uh, towards well, the finger. Are we lake. already? Oh, yeah. Across oh, well. the... I, listen, I'm not getting my PhD in geography, so calm down. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. I never know where I am. <laughs> I just want to be closer to Canada too. I need to. I want to be in Canada. I think. Uh, so I'm not gonna lie. I, I, if Canada wasn't so cold as a place, um, and basically I'm already in Canada. Uh, but I love Canada, and I love being closer to Canada. Um, one of my, one of my goals for the next year is to visit Montreal. It's been a long health goal of mine um, to visit this place because it's cool and interesting and I wanted to go there. Um, so now I'm just one geographical step closer. And, you know, we have Tim Hortons up here, which is their coffee mm. quality has like deteriorated slightly over the years, but it's still really good. And it's nice to have a Tim Hortons nearby. It's like, uh, it's like our Dunkin Donuts. Yeah. Do you have Dunkin in that area? It's starting to infiltrate, but like mm-hmm. it's it's like less common than when I was in Boston and it was like Oh yeah. It's like every other quarter is yeah. Early on when I was on a dating app in Boston, someone was like Starbucks or Dunkin'. And I was like, Great question. I I'm not like a huge fan of either. Like I'll settle and I like answered it like a loser. And I was like, Oh, this is like a regional question. <laughs> it's just very straightforward. Also- I was such I was it was when I was like really new to dating apps and so I was like oh this isn't a flirty opener I was like well like weird question dude and then I was like nope nope that's not what he was going for I'm just like a weird I I had a very bad first month on dating apps because someone asked me to pick him up at the airport um and like go swimming at like 11 p.m at night and I was like sounds like a great way to get murdered and i was scared because i was like he has my profile information yeah not my number but and so i deactivated and that was like right around and the time duncan then i got a new got a new name started a new like makes phd applications particularly difficult but or particularly easy that if you have a bad run the first time you just switch your name just start over at a new yeah. baccalaureate institution. Am I yeah. using that right? Um, at a new undergraduate institution. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We're cutting all this out anyway, so it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, fantastic. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's a real heavy ramble episode. Um, yeah. I think there are two kinds of, be- like, so when I listen to my favorite murder, they start with, like, a lot of banter that has nothing to do with the murders they're going to cover. And I love that. Other people are like, get to the information. Yes. Fun fact, we have no information. Yeah, and sometimes it's good banter. 
it's always good banter. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see where 2021 goes. I feel like it's like the next level is, and you know, like I got in, I got through the first semester, like things are soon to be expected from me. So now I have to, <laughs> now I have to do things. Um, and you've been doing things and you, you're just like continuing to do things, especially things that you want to do. Yeah. Yes. I think it's, um, I, here's where like, I think the insidiousness, well, no, this is good. Like I, I'm like now I'm like, I really need to like write a paper soon. And what I've been writing like grants and I've been doing a lot of writing this semester, but, um, sometimes I get like a little frustrated by the fact that like some of, a lot of my classwork is super applicable to research, but then like I have to write uh, things and do work that I'm like, well, this is detracting from my research work. And then it creates this like duality where you're like, during uh, the week before Thanksgiving, we didn't have classes. And so I got a bunch of research related stuff done. And then afterwards, like t- a few days ago before the start of classes again, I was like, oh God, I really didn't do that much over break, over this like break. I was like very unproductive. I was like, no, you were incredibly productive, just not for stuff that's graded. Um, yeah. And that shouldn't matter. So I'm still like struggling to like be like, okay, how do I uh, divide my time? Um, but it feels less stressful than an undergrad where your GPA like really matters. Um, Yeah. And I think it, you eventually get to a point where it's like also dividing your time between research and schoolwork, but then also trying not to lose the value of your other interests too. And still valuing them. What other interests? (laughs) Like, like with, my family and things oh are you still interested in your family i try to (laughs) i thought you cared about your work (laughs) it's really my h index is real high (laughs) i don't know i I was gonna say your f for family index is really high but then uh, like f index just doesn't sound appropriate um so yeah unless it's the proportion of saying the word fuck and then that has been quite high for me this semester (laughs) (laughs) the f ratio the f ratio has gone way up this semester uh yeah i think um, mine has too it usually corresponds to watching the news (laughs) just going there's something satisfying that's my most used swear word of uh if we're gonna do a spotify year in review because it's just much more satisfying to say than others yeah it's been i've been doing a better job at not why don't swear in front of my child (laughs) yeah and you can't really do it during therapy like are you fucking kidding me are you really (laughs) gonna do that yeah that's fucking awful yeah Yeah. i would i would feel pretty fucked on that front too uh (laughs) Although with doing therapy now with adults, getting like swear words is is a lot more common than I was expecting, hmm. which is fine. I don't care what kind of language you use. This is your session. When I was yeah. uh, babysitting all the time and uh, uh, interacting with a lot of children and by babysitting and um, family uh, life, I was... I had replaced fully all of my swear words, but they had infiltrated into my regular normal person social life. So I'd use the word rats a lot. Um, like stub your toe, Ugh, rats. Um, and one of the yes. kids I babysat for was like, what does that mean? Like, why do you say rats? 
and I'm like, oh, it's like, um, and I was fuck. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's like saying, oh, uh, darn. And then I was like, is darn okay for children? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I realized it had like uh, creeped, in, you know, it's like concept creep, but it had creeped into my social life too far when my friends started making fun of me. But they'd be like, oh, rats. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the first year you were in Illinois that you had to tell us that because oh, yeah. you were to make fun of you i think don't make fun of me yeah it's like basically like out of my vocabulary now okay. i think I, I do remember telling you guys that um partially because i had no filter because i was so uh alone all the time i was like these are my this is my one shot at a social life in illinois double down all in on don't screw it up with these yeah because like in, in boston most of my friends like i had work friends but like most of my social life was outside of my uh lab and so i assumed that would happen in illinois and then i was like there are no people my age around here who are not in the clinical psych department yeah. and everyone i go on dates with is weird so i'm just gonna <laughs> have to <laughs> i'm gonna have to make friends with these people it worked it worked. I chose a different person each. Julianne was my first friend. And then I was like, I'm going to work on Aaron next. <laughs> Aaron seems cool. The idea of you having like our pictures up. <laughs> and like Another one down. I know about Julianne. <laughs> that was exactly what happened. I pursue my friendships with a determination and a one-mindedness, which people usually pursue their work with. Yeah. And then those receiving that friendship just get worn down eventually. Yeah. I just, they're like, <laughs> I guess, well, cause I, re I read everyone's bios and I've told you this before, but like, I was like, ah, and Dustin likes Boston sports. We'll connect you over that. And you were like, I don't really follow. I was like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Let me connect with you. Right now, friends, now. Does it help if I say your daughter's name wrong every single time we talk? Yes. Yeah, well, it worked out. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else are uh, year and semester in review? Well, I guess we should talk about upcoming stuff, so you should talk. <laughs> in part of wanting to promote this knowledge and uh, kind of open the gates to learning and understanding and education. One of my passions, if you haven't, if you've listened to more than five minutes of the podcast, you probably have figured this out or have just looked at my Twitter page. Um, I really enjoy R and everything R studio. And I think it is a really useful tool for graduate students in particular it's a free resource in doing stats, and it can do a whole lot more. And from my understanding and talking with colleagues at different universities, like this is not a skill that's often taught in a, in a useful manner. Uh, oftentimes it's, here's some code, here's how you run an ANOVA, paste this in, here's this nice clean data set, and just report your results and be like done with it. Um, and so Kate and I have an idea that we, well, it's more than an idea. It's, it's happening. We're doing this because 
people have signed up for it already. And we have no choice. But we we had a choice before and we chose to do it because we're really excited about this. Um my excitement is spilling over to Kate, I think, at this point. Yeah, it is. No, 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 it is. I, I honestly like I've never been more motivated. Like I had to do something because I didn't know how to do it in R and I needed there was a time time uh sensitivity issue but i was like i just want to do this in r i want to know how to do this in r and i was like wow you sound like a real loser um but that's my inner model (laughs) there's just so many so much easier if i could load it in r and then work on it exactly and so what this kate and i are going to hold a work a series of workshops uh that will focus on just starting at the beginning with R and R Studio, like starting from here's how you install, here's how you get comfortable with what R is, how you load in a data set and really want to promote that understanding and that learning. Um, and then getting into other advanced, more advanced pieces, but things that are built on each other of after you load in a data set, how do you find basic descriptive statistics? And then what would be useful in writing a paper. And a lot of times it's making tables or making plots. And R is awesome for that, where you're able to, you have all of your statistics there. You don't have to worry about copy pasting output from SPSS and then wondering, is this the right one? Did I include the right variables? Um, It's all right there. It'll give you APA formatted, like ready to go tables. Um, And then other advanced statistical techniques but there's just so much that that R and R studio can do that I think the way that it's taught at most universities is not it doesn't capitalize on all of the intricacies and I think that ha- once you have that basic foundation like then you can do just about anything um I think one of the other pieces that I also like to focus on is like a lot of R is problem solving and finding out where you need to figure these things out. And oftentimes because the code is so clean and the data sets are so nice in class that it doesn't allow for that opportunity. So my philosophy in in these courses that I've done before in like teaching these workshops has been me not preparing a whole lot, just like having a a central theme of what I want to do. And then as problems arise, we figure them out together. So you can see what my process looks like as someone who I feel like I'm competent in R and, and know what's going on. So like this, I think having that insight is like, this is accessible. You can do this. It's not some mystical thing that if you can't, figure out how to do a linear regression in a single line like that you're a failure like no i i you are but you're you're a momentary momentarily failing and then we will lift you up we'll be the the wind beneath your wings Mm -hmm. you can't we're gonna get a lawsuit Oh, um, I was thinking you're the, never mind. Uh, not quick enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for this. Um, I think it's going to be great. I also like that you can 
demonstrate problem solving and that's just a skill that you absolutely need. Um, and uh, this is the winter when my, I know I say it a lot, uh, my website's going to finally, my website and ours is going to finally go up. I had an idea this morning that whatever website I pull up for my research stuff is going to have one page that's dedicated to uh, funny period or pubertal videos, like comedy. <laughs> so this is inspired this morning by there's a comedian who has the song called 100 tampons because when Sally Ride was going to fly to space, NASA, NASA engineers were like, how many tampons do you need? A hundred. And then they tied all of the strings together. I did not know that. That part I didn't know. Oh my God. Was it? So she has it was like a very song. short trip too, it was wasn't it? Days. Like, yeah. Six days. And she also was like, like, they didn't even ask her, like, will you be getting your period in space? They're like, here's a hundred useless, now useless tampons because they're tied together. Hope you have scissors up there. Uh, like, like wild. The, the name of this podcast is going to be Space Periods. Space Periods. <laughs> it's such a good song. I'll send it to you. It's very yes. funny. And then there's also, like, just these very funny, uh, it reminded me there are these, like, really funny, um, uh, period kit commercials for kids, um, like for young girls, uh, or young menstruators. Um, and, uh, it's hello flow. I think I, I might've shown it to you a while ago, but when is this, yeah. When is this girl who like, she pretends she's the last one to get her period of her friends. She hasn't gotten it yet. So she pretends she got her period and with, uh, red glitter, uh, nail polish, um she like puts it on a pad and her mom's like what's this and she goes i'm on my lady days and like a sassy she goes it's one thing to lie it's another to take that tone and so her mom shows throws her as like she did a first moon party uh but anyway i've decided for my future web page i'm gonna have just a um pg level like comedy because there's also there's a really funny one with amy schumer that might not be appropriate for mass consumption or a professional research page i think that's all we have uh do you have anything you want to recommend yeah future directions for for this week i have been in the past i had recommended a ve schwab series uh i think it's the shades of magic series that's been really good i'm almost done with that but um i realized that with both authors and like musicians that once I find like, Oh, I like this one thing, then I need to read and consume everything that they've ever associated. (laughs) So I'm like always, Oh, did you know they did this collaboration with somebody? And I'm like, like nobody cares, but, um, so I have been trying, I've been wanting to read more and more of her work. And she has a new book called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Uh, and it is, finished. It, it's great. It is like a completely character driven story about um, a young woman who doesn't want to like go on the career path that or go in the life direction that she's currently on and makes a deal with a, with a God. Devil. Oh yeah, basically. And, um, 
she is basically then cursed so that whenever somebody she leaves their somebody's like view say they go in the other room or whatever they forget about her and yeah so it's all about like her navigating through the world and because she can never be remembered she never ages either so it's just like this whole story about her her journey and it's it's just written so nicely i really enjoy ve schwab and everything that she's doing right now so check that out uh have i recommended um Cersei uh by Madeline Miller. Yeah. Um it's really good. Also, um it's uh something Achilles. Um that's really good. Um Madeline Miller just writes these beautiful novels and they're both like so unbelievable. Achilles song, maybe. Um they're the both song. song of Achilles, yeah. It, they're both just unbelievably beautiful in their own way um i cried reading song of achilles on my way back from an interview i sobbed in the back of a plane it was just like so touching and beautiful and i thought like maybe it was just because i was stressed for my interview so i reread the ending again when i was like in a calmer mental state and i just cried again it's just lovely um yeah uh once i come up out of the, the V.E. Schwab deep dive, then then this can be where I go next. There's less Madeline Miller to, or Madeline Miller um, to go through. So um, hopefully it won't take up too much of your time, but will be very worth it. Um, uh, what was my other, rec- I've, re- I've started knitting again, um, which has been great. I usually am a seasonal knitter. Uh, so it's been nice to get back into it. And for my sibling, uh, gift exchange I uh my brother picked me so I sent him some like um kits for uh cross stitch so hopefully nice. I was like it'd be nice to just get like a starter on like an easy kit and then I can figure out like next steps from there and then it's like always nice to get a gift or like to ask someone for a gift uh no but it's nice to get a gift or something that like you might not spend money on yourself like for initial like if it's like a craft or something um that's not out, that's like outside of my usual crafts um i'm entertaining my cat because he knocks stuff off my shelves if he stays there for too long um so the the series of events has been he has jumped up on and stared at himself for a, a significant portion of time and then gets frustrated and begins batting things off your shelves the mirror is a new development. He okay. normally just likes to like jump on when he wants attention. He knows the way to do it is by torturing me slowly by knocking things off um, of tall or just above ground surfaces. And so that's been his whole deal. Um, yeah. So he'll do that. And then um, uh i lost my train of thought but i think that's it for recommendations uh pine grove is a nice chill vibe if you want it so musically that's that's what i've been listening to and i guess happy new year to everyone my new year's cards will be out soon um Ooh, exciting if any of the texas listeners want to identify themselves you too i will send you a new year's card if you're not interested in that i also understand <laughs> I did receive one last year. You are on the list this year, so. Oh no! I'm just I'll need kidding. you to. Wow, rude. 
<laughs> but this year, um, it's pretty great this year, to be honest. Uh, it's not my best year, but I do send one out every year. So for the last, this is, I think, the fifth year that I've done it. So the tradition continues. That's good. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for Happy joining New Year. us. Thank you. Stick around. We will be releasing episodes after the break. Um, so we'll take a little bit of a hiatus and then come back to it. And so keep subscribing. Feel free to sign up. We'll have a sign up link for the R group in the description below. Below? I don't know. Yeah, around. around. Uh, It'll below. be floating around. Yeah, and if there's any like topics you want us to cover in January or February, um, you can message our uh, you can grad school account, and we'll uh, try and do our best to cover it if it's uh, possible. Or if you're like, I don't hey, know I'm have... hedging my bets so much. I know. I, you just you should have just stopped at <laughs> just send it our way, and like that's we'll it. We'll cover it. Because then you were like, and we'll read it, maybe. Thanks for joining us on You Can Grad School, and we'll catch you in January. Catch you on the flip side. Best wishes. On your journey. The You Can Grad School is on a vacation. 